Hello there, my name is Nick. This is Off Air. Thanks for having us in your ear holes. Every week I catch up with my good friend Tim Rubin and we break down three big issues affecting Australians. Sometimes they're not getting enough media coverage, sometimes they're getting the wrong amount of media coverage and sometimes they're just getting the wrong views pushed across. There's a rise of neo-Nazism in Australia and we break that down in the first story. The second story is all about the importance of names and the importance of you having a right to what you are called. Thirdly, there seems to be a systemic problem with sexual assault and rape within the Australian Liberal Party. There's been a number of allegations, but why is this not causing a bigger impact? We break that down in story number three. Also, we've got our Nick picks. Mine is fantastic. Tim's is terrible. If you do enjoy what we are chatting about, please join Off Air Podcast Community. It's a private group on Facebook. It's a no dickhead policy. We love to break down what we're chatting about and we absolutely love your opinions. Hope you have a great week. What is our mandate? Tim Rubin. It's super creepy to reanimate somebody's dead father for their birthday. Nick Stewart. I really leaned into trying to get radicalised by ISIS. You're listening to Off Air. I believe it's this. Can we just backtrack um, uh, just on the word your fiancé? Can we just clarify something from last week? Because thanks to you, I had phone calls um, and messages from my mother and other people. Last week in the podcast, you used the term our fiancés, I think, when you were referring to both of our partners. And my partner, Ellie, is not my fiancé. So I got a call from my mum saying, what is going on that I don't know about? Nick, do you want to just publicly apologize to anyone in my family who listens and thought that, that something had happened? Ellie's mum listened. She didn't message. So I don't know what the go is uh, with that. You can clearly see in the picture that I posted in the Off-Air Community Facebook page <laughs> that you sent me an image of you and Ellie together with a diamond ring on her finger. So I Nick's photoshopped it. I love as well that uh, the the first photo that you have put together for the history of this podcast has been <laughs> not for any of the graphics that we use in the Facebook page or anything, but just to stitch me up. So thanks very much for that, Nick. I'm glad Wait, that you... It's like all things when you grow up. It's exactly the same as having children, getting married, buying a house, any of those big commitments. I'm now on the other side. I've done the hard part. I asked the question. So now I have free reign to absolutely put shit on you until you've done it because that's the way life works. It's the same with kids. All my friends who have children, they go, oh, yeah, they tell you it's going to be magical and it's amazing. It'll change your life for the better. And then you have the kids and they're like, ha ha, sucker. It's on you now. You're welcome to not sleeping and spending all your money on a human that just whinges, shits and eats. So what you're saying basically is that every every life uh, major moment is kind of like uh, zombieism or joining a cult. Once yep. you're in, you just want to pull other people in, regardless of if it's good or not. A hundred percent. That's exactly what I mean, and that's the. I, I'm slowly realizing the older I get that that is the sole purpose of life. Is it's all this just big joke that we keep transposing <laughs> down to younger people again and again and again. And you, you fall idiot. for it. You fall oh, for yeah. it, so now you've got to try and pass it on to other people. Exactly right. It's like joining Jim Munji. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started. You ready, Nick? Story number one. Those damn Nazis are at it again, Tim Rubin. A few months ago, you might remember we spoke about a camping trip that happened in the Grampians that involved a group of neo-Nazis, and it really blew up. There was photos of them. Apparently, they were walking around the town. 
doing the uh, Nazi salute and chanting Heil Hitler and white power and a bunch of just abhorrent, disgraceful stuff. So Thomas Sewell, who was the leader of one of these groups that was meeting in the Grampians, has punched out a security guard at Channel 9 headquarters because uh, Channel 9's A Current Affair were doing a story uh, exposing mainly European neo-Nazi sites, but they picked up his group as well and they did the story on him and he took umbrage to the fact that they didn't approach him for comment. So he thought he would rock up at the uh, at the Channel Nine headquarters and offer his comments. So he's gone in with a guy uh, who was filming him. He's demanded to speak to the producers of a current affair. Funnily enough, they said, "Look, we probably don't want to see you. You don't seem like a particularly rational human." At which point, he's been kicked out of Channel Nine headquarters. As he's been kicked out, his patsy has continued to film uh, and. Um, and racially abused the security guard that was kicking them out. Then Thomas Sewell has punched the uh, security guard in the face multiple times, saying that he was touching his camera. Mm. Uh, he has since been charged with assault. Uh, the police have him. Uh, but he uploaded the whole video of him knocking out the security guard to social media to try to say as if um, uh, Channel 9 were way out of line by not letting a clearly super rational guy into their building. Tim, why do you think that Nazis are making a comeback? Oh, I can't. I, I don't have the answer to that. I don't know why anybody's joining Nazism uh, in the 21st century in 2021. The question that I have that, that goes beyond that, and it's something that I've raised before on the podcast that I just find absolutely uh, perplexing, I don't understand it, is this guy Thomas Sewell, I'm pretty sure was in the Australian military at some point in his life. He was, and yeah. there seems to be this real correlation between super Aussie ocker you know, yeah, uh, let's get a Southern Cross tattoo and no offense to my friends who have Southern Cross tattoos, but do you know what I mean? That there seems to be a real correlation between that demographic and the neo-Nazis. And that just makes no sense to me because Australia was literally involved in World War II. We actually fought against the Nazis. So, mm. and, and this is the same for the neo-Nazis that exist in America. America was a huge superpower that fought against the Nazis in World War II. The idea of saying that you are Australian and a neo-Nazi, they complete. It doesn't make any sense. You can't be. You can't be both at the same time. You are literally aligning with a group that was trying to wipe out a huge part of the world that Australia was a part of. It would be the same as saying I'm uh, super Australian and I love Kim Jong Un. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, short of, I, I don't know if I can book in a time with Thomas and sit down and have a conversation with him and try to explain that. I don't know if that. you want to, man. He can fight in this video. He's got, yeah, A, he sucker punches this poor security yeah, guard totally. who is, 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 you know, just doing his job. But B, he, he really takes him to town on the ground. It's a very confronting video to watch. And, and disturbing in the way that the cameraman said to um, the security guard, who appears to be of African heritage, uh, dance monkey dance. Yeah, it's so disgusting. It's so disgusting. Mm. Um, I don't understand what the point. I don't know. What do you think the point was of them of of them having a crack at the security guard? I mean, he's just a security guard, like, and then and then posting it. What are these guys trying to achieve? Do you think? I think. Look, I think a that they're deranged. 
and B, that they think it furthers their cause, that it shows that Channel 9, that the media is somehow trying to, that the crazy lefty media, which isn't left, is trying to somehow uh, eradicate their side of the story. The reason their side of the story has been eradicated is because it is fundamentally wrong and it is something that we all agree was the worst thing to happen last century and that it's really important that we don't embrace or or make or, or offer a fucking argument for that. You, you can't let these people have airtime in case they do influence other people. I want to backtrack to something you were saying earlier uh, with, with you drawing a correlation between a certain group of people. I think that there is actually an explanation to an extent for that. And it's because you have this disenfranchised group of white Australians who have always probably been uh, predominantly lower socioeconomic and they feel like immigration has caused an erosion of their part of society. They feel like immigration is, is ruining their towns, so to speak. But I think that that's actually a really unfounded opinion. And where it gets scary is in the media when the media plays into that stereotype. Mm. Like, remember when... Uh, the African what, gangs? What, yeah. Whatever happened African, to the African gangs, Tim? They're gone. <laughs> whatever yeah, happened they to the Apex gangs? They, they disappeared during COVID, which was really nice. I mean, it's good because, like, if you can't go out, it's good that the African gangs can't go out either. Um, <laughs> I, I think what you're saying actually makes a lot of sense. And what I find really scary as well is that uh, it really heralds back to what we've seen happen in America. Um, where you have these two totally disjointed groups uh, kind of coming together. And, and I'm not talking about neo-Nazism in America, but I would say what's happened with Trump, where mm. you've got this like essentially rich sociopath uh, telling these very poor disenfranchised people, this is why you're poor, this is uh, I'm going to try and help you and actually take advantage of them. And I think mm. that that's a similar thing where you get these these people who are in a downtrodden place and they become vulnerable and they open themselves up to, you know, being taken advantage of and being led in some potentially very dangerous ways. And the greater irony of all of this is this is exactly how World War II really started, was that Hitler came to power by taking advantage of an entire disenfranchised Germany who was totally downtrodden, totally destroyed from World War I. He came up and he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get back on top. So it's very interesting that we kind of see these cycles going around and repeating. What do you think the answer is? Once we start, you start to see these these little green shoots popping up or oh, a little bit of neo-Nazism in the Grampians, which is annoying because it's a nice place to go for a hike. What do you do about <laughs> it as a society? This is my story. I was about to ask you that question, Tim. I want to know. Because oh, okay. I want to know how do, you, how do you change the discourse to show a different way. Because I think the other thing that can happen is these people also feel like, uh, ironically, potentially the Labor Party, I hate using left or right, but they feel like people who actually, uh, generally, people that are sitting on the left are, are actively trying to help lower socioeconomic demographics, but their marketing is just shit. Mm. How do they remarket it to actually inspire these people to want to vote for them. Because as you said, Donald Trump, it's it's bizarre that conservatives seem to be able to latch onto these people by selling them false hope when the other side of politics actually have genuine hope to offer, but they can't get the message across. How do yeah, they change because, the message? Well, because generally it is the left that wants to look after the poor 
And yeah. generally these people are the poor, but they yeah. also for some reason hate the left. Look, I think it's probably a bit of uh, a self-hatred and and probably a bit of an identity crisis because when you are there, um, you don't want to say, yes, I am this person that needs a handout. You would mm. rather align with someone who's saying, no, it's actually, you don't need a handout. What you need is a better system where you're not being robbed by these immigrants or or whatever it is. So how do you think you do it? How do you think we can do it? Is it in is it in the messaging? Is it in 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 inspiring? Is it about having I guess strong people? Well, I have an answer, but I don't know how practical it is, Nick. I think that uh, unfortunately the answer is there like we've said, there is a huge correlation between downtrodden members of society and joining radical groups. We've seen it all over the world all throughout history. So the answer is to try and find those downtrodden groups and lift them up. And unfortunately, I think that that can potentially have to happen with or without, I don't know, I mean, does this does that sound awful to say with or without their votes? Because <laughs> what we need, uh, and we've seen it happen much, uh, much more radically in America. In, in America, there's no healthcare system. Uh, if you break your leg, that's it. You're financially screwed for the rest of your life. So we're creating downtrodden people much faster over there. Um, and we see people get radical, radicalized much more easily over there. Uh, we've seen the same type of thing happen in the Middle East, where there's obviously economic problems to begin with. And I think Australia is starting to fall down that slippery slope just a tiny bit as we move further to the right and as we move towards a more capitalist society. And we try to copy what America does. So we keep on saying, oh, yeah, we love America. They're number one. Let's do what they do. Let's start to, you know, privatize our healthcare system. But there are a Mm. whole bunch of problems that come with that. So I think the solution is we need to be much more progressive as as a society when it comes to you know, raising our uh, our uh, things like the the JobKeeper, JobSeeker allowances, um, our healthcare situation. Those are the things that I think solve these problems in the future. What do you think? Are you pro, are you pro universal income? Are you I, familiar with the with the with the terminology and the economic thought process behind it, where everyone in society gets paid thirty thousand dollars a year or something like that? Yeah, it's uh look, I don't I don't have a fully formed opinion on this. I I like the idea. I think that if you are alive um and you are a citizen, <laughs> then <laughs> I don't have an issue with the government helping you stay alive. Um and if you if everybody were to get a universal income, then hopefully there would be less people on the streets, less people um falling into our healthcare system. I mean, these things end up costing the government money anyway. Mm. So I've got to be honest, I haven't done a huge amount of research, but I I think that it makes sense to me. I think it aligns with my perspective. Would you like to see it happen? I I would agree with you that I think very few people have done a really, really robust search into whether it is a viable option for Australians. But on a, on a, on a basic principle level, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that we as a society have evolved enough to start to look at different situations like this and it is going to cost billionaires money and it is going to cost multinational corporations money but uh you know i'm i'm a filthy socialist democrat tim so 
I always think that. You Do know, you think the, it would stop the Nazis? Would it stop neo Nazis? Well, it could potentially stop extremism of all forms. If yeah. people feel like they're actually getting a fair go in this country, then they're not going to look for these crazy alternatives. Whether it's ISIS or whether it's becoming a neo Nazi or whether it's you know shooting up a shooting up a mosque in um, New Zealand. If people feel like they are living in a supportive community that has their best interests at heart, they're not going to spiral off into these extremes. So from that perspective, yeah, I, I, I think anything we can do to empower these vulnerable people is a positive thing. And, and education is a positive thing. Yeah, I would love. To, I think that we need to be super progressive about it. We need to look far down the line, um, because once these people exist, there are less. You, we just have less options to deal with them. Story number two. Nick, an interesting story out of New Zealand this week. A five-year-old girl and her mother have made the news. The little girl's name is Mahanurangi, which is a Maori name. And uh, Nick, rather than me explaining the story, I'm just going to read the news.com headline to you because I think it does a pretty good job. Fury as daycare shortens child's name, labelling it too hard to pronounce. That's the headline. Her mum's name is Paris, and she was told that her daughter's name was being shortened from Mahanirangi to Rangi um, by her preschool teacher. So, Nick, this story has blown up. It's been everywhere, news.com, Daily Mail, um, The Herald. What was your first reaction when you saw it? I mean, I think it's a bit of a, to be perfectly honest, Tim, I think it's a bit of a storm in a teacup. If I'm like, obviously it's wrong, but something tells me that the person working at the childcare center is not going to be a future leader of the world. They're probably just someone cashing their check, trying to go about their day. They've said one thing and all of a sudden they're on the front page of news.com.au. Mm. Um, I, 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 I think everybody has the right to a name. Some people's names are harder to say than others. And in some cultures, they probably find my heart name hard to say. So, you know, I don't know, man. What, what do you want me to say? That it, do you want me to be outraged? Do you no, want me I, to I, I don't want anything. I'm, com- I'm completely objective and <laughs> interested to know the thoughts that entered your mind when you first read this story. As someone, who, as someone with a name, I mean, we are, and this is the trap that we fall in a bunch of times, two white guys with white names talking about things that haven't happened to us necessarily. So yeah. um, we, with your name, which is Nick, and you, interestingly, you're not even Nicholas, are you? I am Nicholas. And oh, it's you are? spelt weird. Yeah, yeah. And it's spelt strange. It's N-I-K-O-L-A-S. Uh, and Stuart is S-T-U-A-R-T, which is probably not the conventional way to spell either of those names. So I, I have my name uh, misspelled all the time. I don't, it's not something that mentally affects me, but it's not intertwined with my culture. Mm. Whereas uh, it sounds like this situation in New Zealand, uh, it is intertwined with her culture as, as having Maori heritage. How did you go about becoming Nick from Nicholas? Because I've never even thought of you as Nicholas. So uh, was it, uh, well, you're just always Nick in my mind. So well, Nicholas, Nicholas is a bit of a stuffy name. I don't know. It's a bit, it's, it doesn't suit my personality. Nicholas, Nicholas is a, what I get called when I'm in trouble, basically. Uh-huh. My name was, so my name is Timothy and mm-hmm. I was named Timothy with that in mind. Like that is going to be my name. And I really? was, yeah. And I was only ever called Timothy as a child by my parents and family. And then I started school and day one of school, they called out Tim from the role. And I immediately just switched into into being Tim. So um, still to this day, my family pretty much only call me uh, 
They still call me Timothy and they think it's really? weird. Really? They think it's weird to hear me be called Tim. And when we were staying at my family's house uh, over Christmas, Ellie, my partner, not my fiance, would only ever call me Tim. And my family kept saying that they found it really weird to hear me being referred to as Tim. And she said that she found it weird to hear me being referred to as Timothy. So sometimes names do change. Um, I wonder, do you think that that's just a part of Australian culture? I know this happened in New Zealand, but let's say it would have happened in in Australia. I, we have a habit of shortening everything. Yeah, I think it certainly is a part of Australian culture, but I think you still have the right if you want to be called a specific name to ask to be called that. I think it's not a huge deal to me what anyone really calls me, but some people feel very passionate about having a right to be called whatever they want. Mm. And I think you, you, it, all of us have right to ownership of ourselves. And if it is something where you're offended by the prospect of being called something else, you should have that right. It's just like if you got a shit nickname, if I got a crappy nickname, I wouldn't want to be, and I've had people in my life who've gotten terrible nicknames and they've specifically asked to not be called that. And you sort of have to respect that. I think mm. it's the same. It's the same situation here is it's everything should, you should always have respect for other people when you're making these decisions. I, I, I want to say again, I do not think like a child, like being a childcare worker would be one of the worst jobs in the world. I have so much respect for like it would they, be so they, hard. They fall into nurse category for me yeah. in terms of hardness of their job. So I can just imagine this poor busted ass daycare worker making a passing comment to a mum on the way home. The mum might have three thousand followers on TikTok or TikTok or whatever the fuck it's called, and all of a sudden now this poor daycare centre is embroiled in this situation where they've caused international furor, where they're being spoken about on podcasts just because some shagged out bloody daycare worker has spent all day with a bunch of two year olds and doesn't want to call someone an eight syllable name. So I think that's the funnier side of the story. There's more to it, yeah. Uh, yeah. This conversation went on um, on the Facebook group, um, mm. off-air podcast community. Sarah commented saying, learning someone's name is not hard and I'd never shorten a name without asking first or even until they use the shortened name with me. Some nicknames are reserved for select people in their lives and not for everyone to use. I commented back on that. I said, hey, Sarah, just to play devil's advocate, giving people a nickname is often a sign of friendship. If we were playing a sport, I might call you, her name is Sarah Cirillo, said I might call you Cirillo or SC. Do you think that that's problematic? Do you think that uh, like calling some, using a nickname is a part of the Australian culture of showing a sign of, in, of endearment? Like I think that that's, and I've never once said, hey, do you mind if, because that kind of, I don't, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think that that takes the fun out of coming up with a nickname for somebody and giving it to them. I know. I agree with what you're saying, but if they specifically said yeah. to you, hey, can you not call me that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Then, I would then backtrack it. I, I actually have a mate uh, who, to me, is Gardy. And he is, uh, he, it always confuses the hell out of me because when he meets people, he goes, hi, I'm Lachlan. And I, you're like, no, you're not. No, he's not Lachlan in my head. Every time I sort of look at him and go, what? (laughs) And my best mate, um, his name is Chris. 
and we all call him Theo, and we've never called him Chris ever. And when he, it's bizarre. Whenever they meet people and they go, hi, I'm Lachlan and Chris, I'm like, fuck you are. As if... <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they prefer to be called on a professional level because mm-hmm. for them, they're going by Theo and Gardy doesn't feel professional in the real world. I think it probably comes back to school ties as well a little bit. Like both of us were fortunate to go to um, – uh, private schools and be put through the private school system. And it is, nicknames are a very private school thing, I think, as well. I think it's like, is uh, it? I think it's part of that culture is you have your you have your nicknames that are developed through school that you sort of never lose. Like, well, Gardy and I will be 60-year-olds and I'm still going to call him Gardy. I'm not going to call him Lachlan. Yeah. It, it would just be bizarre to switch. Lindsay commented, she said, it's one thing for kids to give a nickname, it's another for adults who aren't the parent of the child to give a nickname. Now, I used to teach and I definitely used to throw around nicknames that would be probably based on, like I said before, SC, like a variation of somebody's name. Maybe I would use a last name if somebody had a cool last name. Maybe if somebody did really well at a game, they might be like Tag King or something. And Big nose, if they've got a big nose. (laughs) Call them that. Stuff like that. But I would find... Jesus Christ. No, definitely not what I was teaching, especially when I was teaching kids. Um, But I would find, I mean, and maybe my head was just in the sand, that there are things like that the kids are really excited about because they're still kind of forming their identity. And that can be a, a big, exciting thing for them. I agree, like you said before, that if somebody says, hey, that's not my name, I don't want you to call me that, then 100%. But there is something exciting about being given a nickname. Do you think that that's wrong? No, I was always bummed that I was Nick in school because I had nothing to write on the back of my jersey when I got to grade 12. Mm-hmm. So that for me was a disappointment. But that said, I had kids in my school that had nicknames that probably hated them. So it's one of those things. Like we all grow up and we form our own identities and everyone hates themselves when they're a teenager. I think that's a very natural thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's just a permission thing. It's a permission thing with everything. You know, I, uh, I work with a girl and, um, I was calling her Ms. And she said, actually, I really hate Ms. Could you call me Mims? And I, I respect that. because, mm. I, And I think that, that I actually think that this story is a bigger case of like how quickly we can create outrage how quickly people can create outrage without any sort of side of the story. And it's like um, the same reason that, that uh, married at first sight works is because they have these outrageous situations that immediately invoke an emotional reaction Mm. from you. And that's probably the funnier part to this story is how quickly we all go. That's bullshit. How dare this person? Like we don't know anything about this person. Yeah, I would say that I think that there are probably holes in the story that haven't 100% been filled by the articles that I've read. So um, Chris, who you might refer to as Theo, because this guy called Chris (laughs) wrote on the Off-Air Community Facebook page, and he said, what does Mahani Rangi Rangi want to be called? Um, And I think that that's a really good question. And even though we're just talking about a five-year-old, that wasn't something that came up in the article. I did Mm. find this line that said, the mum explained Mahani Rangi's name is often mispronounced and mocked by her peers, leaving the young girl embarrassed and lacking the confidence to correct anyone. So it is also possible that this young girl likes the nickname Rangi. I don't know. And she might not feel comfortable telling her mum that as well. Um, My sister 
uh, often would be called Katie and my parents hated it, but my sister actually quite enjoyed it that my parents were like, no, she's Kate. It's not Katie. Did you, uh, let's let, let, to end this, are you a little bit happy Timothy didn't stick? Are you happier as a Tim? Um, it's, well, I've always felt like a certain disconnect to Tim actually. Oh, because, really? Yeah, because uh, because my entire family calls me Timothy. So sometimes I'll hear the name Tim or meet another Tim and I'll be like, now that's a Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Despite being Tim on uh, on radio, on posters, on everything, still sometimes I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of my name. <laughs> Story number three. Tim, there is two things trending at the moment uh, on Ozpol Twitter. Uh, and I'm sure they're entirely unrelated. Hashtag don't name the rapist and hashtag Porter. Uh, both of them have been retweeted over several thousand times. This has been a story brewing for a little bit. Uh, it seems like the Liberal Party have fallen into a complete Me Too movement at the moment. And over the past week, probably the most distressing case that has come out. Uh, and it has Scott Morrison embroiled in it up to his eyeballs. Uh, is the alleged rape of a 16-year-old woman uh, in Sydney uh, several decades ago uh, by a current cabinet minister. That woman committed suicide last year. Uh, Just two days ago, the New South Wales Police Force said that they wouldn't be investigating uh, this further because there wasn't enough information. And today, uh, the cabinet minister, who hasn't been officially named yet, is said to uh, make a statement. Now, there's a lot of layers to this. The layer I think that's most interesting is Anthony Albanese today put up a, uh, a video of Scott Morrison speaking passionately in 2019 about the fact that uh, women need to be believed when uh, it comes to rape allegations and that his dad was a police officer and he saw a number of uh, uh, rape allegations go unchecked and it always disappointed him and that women need to be uh, have the right to be heard when it comes to these things. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is when it comes to this specific specific case, he has said uh, that the cabinet minister involved has vehemently denied it and that he should have a right to have that denial and he should also have a right uh, to be believed and that it could potentially be a bit of a he said, she said case. Now, this is an absolutely wild story. Isn't that great? Just just sorry to interrupt, but isn't it it great that women should be believed until it's someone or something that affects me? Hmm. And that seems to be a bit of a trend when it comes to Scott Morrison's yeah. uh, prime ministership. Mate, when does this end and when do people start losing their jobs, Tim? Because this is now into week three of damning allegations against this party about a consistent problem with the culture. And that's only when it comes specifically to rape. We spoke on this podcast nearly 12 months ago about a misogynist culture being exposed in the Liberal Party. Are we fed up with this on a national level? Yeah. I, well, the question is, when you say are we, the question is, who is we? Because if you define we as me and you, yeah, yeah, I'm over it. I'm so, I, I'm disgusted by it. I'm over it. Um, if we define we as the majority of probably our listeners, I would say yes, 100%. This is something that a huge number of our listeners care deeply about, as they fucking should. We now have a political party in power who keeps raping people. I mean, like it sounds, it sounds like the setup of a really sick joke. Mm. The, the sad answer is that if we continue to extrapolate that word we, 
and we uh, speak about it in reference to all of Australia, um, I think that Australia has a huge problem with rape culture and with misogyny. And people are not, Australia as a whole is not outraged enough. Um, I mean, people were outraged over, what was his name, getting given that bottle of wine? Uh, the, yeah, the former the Premier former of New South Premier Wales. New South Wales. Mike Baird. Was it Mike Baird? Uh, uh, it, it, yeah. Maybe Mike Baird, yeah. We have such strange standards that do not align. We have standards where, uh, of outrage when it comes to talking about um, theft or insider trading or things like that um, that are just totally disconnected from uh, misogyny, sexual assault, rape, uh and, and and supporting those those cultures, I think that Australia as a whole has a really big problem with it. And at the end of the day, we speak a lot. Uh, very often, I would say we talk about problems in Australia, and our answer is, well, we live in a mostly capitalist society, and so if the company, if people stop buying from the company, then the company will have to do something. I would say that it's largely the same in terms of our democracy. If people are outraged and if, if people are going to stop voting for the Liberal Party, the Liberal Party will have to do something. And the Liberal Party, we keep on, we very often say that the Liberal Party is Scott Morrison. The Liberal Party is not Scott Morrison. He's just one guy who works there. Mm. Um, the Liberal Party is huge. There are hundreds and hundreds of people involved. There would be um, hundreds or thousands of financial backers across the country. And if the outrage level was higher, yes, they would do something. And at the moment, surprisingly, it is not. Would you agree with that? I, I feel like it is not, uh, we're not seeing it as high as I would like to see it in newspapers. And it is not as much in the national discourse as I think it probably should be. I think the scary thing for me is, and I was just thinking about this on the weekend, we had a situation two, two or three years ago in sport where the Australian cricket captain was essentially publicly – like it was the scene from Game of Thrones where yep. is he was publicly shamed. He was dragged through the streets yep. and made to leave his profession for 12 months and lose his job because he was the leader – of a situation where two other people removed from him use sandpaper in a sport. Now we've reached a boiling point where our prime minister at the top of the liberal party has been the leader of a ship, which has several rape allegations Yeah, and everyone just seems fucking fine with it. Yeah. It, it baffles me that cricket sandpaper in cricket takes precedent over actual sexual assaults of women in our nation's capital. So yeah. yeah, I agree completely with you, man. I don't know where I am, what sort of dystopian future I'm living in at the moment where that is a bigger incident for our national psyche and for the media. Why do you think, okay. Do you think that the media is uh, less interested in this story because traditionally the media has supported conservatives in Australia and there is a big power imbalance in our media landscape. Like that's a really good question. And I think that that's something like we saw Kevin Rudd launch that petition and, and uh, he gave a speech last week in Parliament yeah. so, uh, asking for an inquiry to be made in why there was such a huge backing um, behind uh, the, the kind of Murdoch media and 
Fairfax Press and and, and the Conservative parties of Australia. So that is that's definitely a factor. But I think that it goes deeper than that. I don't think that it's just the media. I don't think that the media entirely um, crafts the conversation that we have in Australia. I think that really the media is more responsive to that and kind of tries to tweak it. I think if everyone in the country is talking about something, at the end of the day, the media survives now nowadays off clicks. So if everybody's talking about something and they're creating articles about it, they're going to get clicks and they're going to make money off those clicks. So really the media is responsive to what people are talking about and then they can add their comment. In you that got, case. Yeah. Sorry, just quickly. In that case, do you think then that the reason that this doesn't get clicks is because people don't uh, don't care about sexual assault of women in our society? Or alternatively, do you think because it's easier to think about married at first sight than it is to think about this as this such this being such a heinous thing? Is it like the fact that we've got this family sitting in uh, a, a detention centre who should be in their community? We don't fucking want to talk about those because they're nasty things to think about and they make us not think about good things about Australia. Do you yeah. think that that's the reason? I don't know the answer, but it's really depressing. This is one of the things that does depress me about Australia. Um yeah, I think that we as a society, like, I love that you drew that bow with uh, with the cricket scandal that happened. And if you think back to when that cricket um, thing was happening with the sandpaper, how often did you hear the terms, it's un-Australian? Yeah. National disgrace. National disgrace. <laughs> un-Australian. You heard yeah. it on everything from 2GB, you know, the old Alan Jones, all these things, the Sydney Morning Herald. Un-Australian was used everywhere. Why is it not un-Australian to rape someone? Like, yeah. like I haven't seen that term be used. And Australianism is supposed to be about having a fair go and everybody being equal and, and you know, being, being progressive. Uh, I think that if, if ever anybody tries to make the argument to you that we don't have a problem with rape culture in, in Australia, this is the example that you give. You go, well, there have been four women come forward about parliament in the last three weeks and now a fifth one about a current sitting minister and this news story is smaller than when we were scratching the side of a cricket ball to beat i don't even remember who were playing india south africa south africa yeah look i don't have an answer i don't have an answer on this is it do you startling no i don't i don't i think it's startling i think it's startling the fact that at the moment the Prime Minister has said there'll be an internal inquiry conducted by a person who was a former member of his staff and that what those findings won't actually be made public. It's, it is disturbing and I really hope that that people remember this. If, if you have daughters, if you have sons, if you are part of a family, if you're part of a community, which we all are, Remember this when you, if this is what you need to remember when you go to vote, remember these things and remember what you want to stand up for as being Australian. I think you hit the nail on the head, Tim. It is, it is bizarre that this hasn't been labeled as un-Australian and it should be. Yeah. The one thing that I will say is, um, it's very easy to kind of lay down and go, yeah, it's fucked. There is nothing that we can do. Um, and, uh, I don't think that that's necessarily true either. I would say, I mean, this is part of the reason why I'm glad that I have a podcast with you. Every Wednesday, I wake up and I'm really excited because I go, I'm I'm able to talk about things that I think are important and I would like more people to be discussing. So for me personally, 
I'm happy that we are talking about it. This is us, you know, having a tiny drop in the ocean social impact. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, then have the conversation with your friends. And whether or not um, they 100% agree with you, I think conversations around this need to need to continue happening. Nick Picks! Yeah, it sounds weird to say the word Nick Picks after that. Nick Picks, if, you first, if this is your first time listening, we, re- we make recommendations and Nick's name is Nick. So these are our Nick Picks from the week for something that you can get involved in. Nick, do you have a Nick Pick for us? Uh, on Stan, great steer- series reboot of a, uh, a one of the you know greatest film franchises of all time, Clarice. It's what? weird to weird to come off the back of this, but it's called it's Clarice. called Clarice. Yeah, have you oh, it's seen si- it's Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, so it's Isn't a TV a series off the back of Silence of the Lambs. So oh. it's set one year after the end of Silence of the Lambs. Uh, and it, it is Clarice and she's getting back into the workforce. Good on her for returning to her. Yeah. <laughs> but essentially, so it's just, it's, it's a crime show, uh, with Clarice as the title character. She gets back into the FBI and they're profiling serial ah. killers. It's a good show. Is We've Anthony Hopkins good news. involved? No, I, look, I have, there's been no mention, no real mention of Hannibal yet. I actually got the pleasure of watching Silence of the Lambs, which is one of the best films of all time. Top 15, I think of all time with my fiance for the first time the other night because she uh, had never seen it before and she was watching Clarice and she said, oh, I need to know the backstory. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's a really good show. It comes out weekly. I really enjoy it. Great Nick pick. I'm going to watch that. Thank you for giving us a good recommendation this week. That's what I'm here for, mate. I always bring the fire. You know that. I've also got a TV recommendation. There's a documentary on Netflix. It's called uh, The Last Breath. And it hasn't, it's, it hasn't really been publicized, but I was kind of digging through the documentary section. It was, it's about um, these deep sea divers uh, that work on an oil rig um, out in the North Sea. And it's so extreme what they go through. So these guys, they, um, because they're diving at, at a depth of about 100 meters, in order to go down that deep, first they have to go and live in a tiny pod which they do for 28 days. So they go into a pod that's about the size of an average bedroom, four of them with like little bunks, and they just live in this pod and they slowly increase the pressure, the air pressure, so that Mm. their bodies um, acclimatize. And then they drop the pod into the ocean and sink it pretty much all the way down to the bottom of the North Sea. Um, And basically something went wrong when they were down there, uh, there was an incident and, and it's real. And there's all footage of these guys, a hundred meters on the bottom of the ocean with X amount of oxygen. And it is so gripping. Very, very. Is there an outcome? Cause I refuse to, cause we're, we're in the era of documentaries and so many of them you watch now. And like at the start, they're like, who is the serial killer? And then you go through 280 fucking experts. And at the end, they just go, we don't know. (laughs) It's not one of those. None of the four people that go to the bottom of the ocean are a serial killer. There is a weather event that fucks the whole expedition up. Basically, uh, somebody gets stuck outside of the pod with a certain amount of air. Yeah. And you're over you're 100 meters underwater. So you can't just swim Uh, up. You'll You'll get the bends. Yeah. So, um, yeah, check good. it out. You'd really like it. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Those uh, jobs always enthrall me. Oh, God, they must rake it in, though, wouldn't you? Like, if you yeah, have to live in money. a pod for 28 days before you even start the job, big money. <laughs> <laughs> 
do you die or not? I don't want to give it away. Maybe. Um, let's get out of here. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, if you're not in the Facebook group, uh, search for it. It is called Facebook. Uh, it's called Off Air Podcast Community. And we talk about the topics each week before and after the podcast so you can get involved and share your thoughts. Um, and also, if you're in the mood to uh, do something nice today, then give us some stars. Whatever you listen to us on, if it's uh, the podcast app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever, drop some stars, drop a review, and uh, you'll put a smile on our face as well. Catch ya. Bye. You've been listening to Off Air. Remember to like and subscribe. People are entitled to their sexual proclivities. Oh.